Well, today we come to Galatians chapter 5, and we're just looking at a few verses, verses 13 through 15. But over the last several uh, weeks, maybe even months, Paul has sufficiently said, you are free in Christ. That's been the message over and over and over, free in Christ. And we've looked at what that means. And last week I shared the analogy of running free on the playground as kids. If you remember, like I was a child who found it very challenging to sit still in my chair. When that bell rang, that chair went flying and I went running and I was set free. I can still remember the feeling right now of how good it feels to be free. And so I use that analogy, but what we do today now as Paul looks at us and talks to us about our freedom, he begins to talk about the, the purpose and the direction of our freedom. When we're running around the playground, free kids enjoying the freedom from the restrictions of the classroom, he now says, but that doesn't mean you're free to go and bully other kids. It doesn't mean you're free to look along the fence line and look for an opening in the chain link fence and sneak out and run the neighborhoods. It doesn't mean you're free to just do whatever you want to do. There is a universal law that even governs the freedom in the playground. There are, it's not just free to do any old sinful thing that you want to do while you're not in the classroom. And if you're like me, not only does it give you some parameters around your freedom to guide you along your way, but it also gives purpose to your freedom. It makes your time at recess a little more productive because if you're like me, I just go from one shiny thing to the other. You know, hey, look, a dead bird. Y'all come over here, check this out. You know, touch it, get all nasty, throw that. Oh, hey, look, let's go over here. And then by the time the recess is done, I've accomplished nothing. I didn't exercise. I didn't do anything that you would like to see a productive child do at recess that was purposeful. I had no purpose. In fact, that was the very essence of freedom to me, is do whatever I want to do, right? And so what Paul is doing today is saying, no, you have freedom, but you need to understand the, the nature and the purpose of your freedom. Paul's going to help us understand the nature and purpose of the freedom that we have in Christ. And in doing so, we're going to be challenged to think deeply about the most important questions that we all deal with in our life. All peoples, all tribes, all languages, all cultures have in their soul the questions, why am I here? What is the purpose and meaning of life? What am I doing here? And that's what Paul answers, and it's, it's very subtle, and it takes more of a, a big picture mindset of understanding where we are in the story of the Scriptures to see. But I hope that today you are challenged to think right now, why are you here? Why has God created you? What gives significance to your life? What gives direction to your life so you're not just running around to the next shiny thing that comes along? What gives you meaning and purpose and significance? What connects your soul to the eternal in this life? That's really what we see answered in this text. And I pray the Lord will speak clearly to us. Lord, through your scriptures, I ask that by your spirit, 
you will open our hearts and minds that we will have a spiritual transaction take place in our hearts, that we will be set free, and that we will use that freedom according to the purpose for which we were created. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, well, let's read Galatians 5, 13 through 15, and we're going to pull out three statements regarding our freedom in Christ. Galatians 5, 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. In this short little uh, paragraph, we see Paul makes three very important statements about our freedom in Christ. The first one, and I encourage you to write these down, write these down because these statements will answer the question, what am I here for? These understanding the truths of this text will give your life direction, shape, meaning, significance, It's what your soul longs to know. The first is you were set free for God's mission. Number one, you were set free for God's mission. I get this in the first little section of verse 13 where he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom, brothers. Now, let's break that up. First, the you is plural, In our language, it's y'all. And that's important to understand. He is saying, listen, y'all were called to freedom, brothers. You all are all part of a group, he says. Those who have trusted in Christ are part of a people, a people who I will call my brothers, and and you as a people have been called to freedom. So let's work through that. First of all, he's saying that when you trusted Christ, It was something much more than just your personal, individual salvation. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. You were saved individually, but he says you need to understand that it was more than just you individually. It's you collectively. You become the people of God. In fact, he says you become my brothers. Now, he says you were called brothers... He's not speaking to ethnic Jews. He's speaking to Gentiles. Remember, we've seen that Jews viewed themselves as one people group and everyone else in the world fit into the other people group, Gentile or non-Jew. And so this is a huge deal for Paul to say, you, my brothers, speaking to non-Jews as you are my brothers... We are now the family. We are one family, brothers and sisters, not based on ethnicity, but based on something new, our faith in Jesus. And so he says to you today, if you are saved, you put your faith in Christ, he says, I want you to know that you are not just an individual believer, that you are my brother. You are one 
part of my family, that when you put your faith in the Messiah Jesus, you were adopted a child of God, just as I was adopted a child of God, we then are a family. A family that transcends all barriers, ethnicity, race, religious, uh, socioeconomic classes. It's not based on that. You're not a Christian because you were born in a Christian family. You are not my brother in Christ because we both come from Christian families. That It is all about what I've done with Christ and what you've done with Christ. If you put your faith in Christ, then we're a family. We're the family of God. But then it goes even a bigger picture. He says, you were called. This is language of from God's perspective of what went on when you, with your own will and responsibility, decided to trust in Christ. He says, but let me tell you from God's perspective what's going on. When you trusted Christ, God called you. God led you to believe in Christ. God called you to be a part of His family. God has incorporated you in His mission. You see, when you read the story of the Bible, it's a story about God on mission. God has been on mission from the beginning of the time to do one thing, and that is to take His glory to the ends of the earth. He says, now when you trust in Christ, you're not just an individual believer set free to do whatever you want to do. He says, you have been saved for a purpose. You have been called to Christ, called to freedom for a purpose. He says you have been called to a purpose that could also be translated, you have been called for a purpose. Your freedom has a purpose. Your salvation has a greater purpose. And that purpose is an incorporation of you into the body of Christ or becoming the missional people of God. So your salvation has a corporate aspect of being a part of brothers and sisters, the family of God. And it has a missional aspect. It has a purpose. And it's this purpose of God that gives meaning and significance and direction and parameters to your freedom. Understanding God's mission keeps you from running around the playground of life, following after every little shiny thing that comes along, being distracted, and then getting to the end of your life and going, well, what was it all for? It's what gives meaning and significance to you getting up each day and parenting your children. Tremendous significance. It makes getting up and going to work tremendously important and valuable. It makes going to school and making decisions, it infuses it with significance. If you're a student and deciding what club to be in, deciding who I should and who I shouldn't hang out with this weekend, deciding where I will go to college, deciding what I will do in life, All of this should be given direction by this overarching purpose, the mission of God. You're free to choose your college. You're free to choose this and that. But you need to understand your freedom has a direction. It has meaning. It has a purpose. God is saying, I have set you free for a purpose. And that purpose is to participate in the mission of taking my glory to the ends of the earth. And so the first thing he says is when you were saved, you were set free, but your freedom has a purpose. You were set free for God's 
mission. And it's this mission that gives direction and significance to your life. It infuses, infuses the mundane tasks of every day with tremendous value. It tells you how to allocate your resources. It tells you how to handle the freedom that God has given you. I'm ashamed to admit this, but when I think about my life, I, for many years, thought that God was all about me. The church was all about me. I mean, I hate to admit it as your pastor because you can use this against me, but I do remember when I was in a church and a staff member came to me and asked me to make a sacrifice on behalf of the church body in accordance with the direction that the staff wanted to go, there was this massive selfishness in my heart that said, no. And I had this attitude, I don't think I would have verbalized it, but I look back at my life compared to now and I see I had this attitude that God saved me because I brought something great to God. That I brought my gifts to the church and the church was like a buffet at Golden Corral, which I've never stepped foot in because my wife wouldn't allow me. You see all the good things I'm not free to enjoy? Church is like a buffet of all these wonderful foods and I just go to the church and I say, I'll take this, nah, nah, I'll take this, I'll take this. In fact, God was, salvation was all about me giving me what I wanted and why wouldn't I trust God? I get forgiveness, I get a get out of hell card, I get all the blessings, of course I want to trust Him. But here we see You get all of that and you are set free, but there is an overarching purpose in your freedom. You have been set free for a purpose. And when we're selfish and prideful and holding on to the things that we want, we restrict that freedom. Because, you see, we're not free just to do whatever we want to do. We were talking in the office and Ham was saying it's kind of like a fish. And I thought it was a great analogy. It's like, imagine a fish caught in a net in the waters. And someone comes and releases the fish into the waters. And that fish is free to swim. Free to, to do what God designed the fish to do. But did God design the fish to walk on land? And so if that fish says, well, I want to be free, I want to walk on land. I think there's Disney movies made after these kind of things. <laughs> Mermaids wanting to be people. But God didn't set you free to be something that he didn't design you to be. God set you free in Christ to experience all that God designed you to be. You're not enjoying freedom trying to walk as a fish. And so Paul is saying, when Christ sets you free, understand the full extent and enjoyment of being who you were created to be is to use the mission of God as the funnel of your freedom. The mission of God channels the direction of your freedom. And when you're doing that, you're running straight ahead, free in full enjoyment of all that God designed you to be. And if you think it's something over here that is going to make you truly enjoy freedom, that's who I'm really meant to be outside of this mission. It's not freedom, it's enslavement. 
And so Paul is saying, no, you have been set free, but your freedom is only experienced when you are running free according to the mission of God. If the mission of God is not defining your choices, your lifestyle, your parenting, your employment, everything you do, then you are not enjoying the freedom of God. Because that's how He made you. So the first point he is saying to us is, you were set free for God's mission. This means that when God called you, you trusted in Christ. He was not simply saving you so you could go do whatever you want to do. We are free, but we are free, adopted brothers and sisters in Christ, free, finally freed from those things that have been preventing us from fulfilling God's purpose for our life. So the very natural next point is number two, don't abuse your freedom in Christ. Your freedom has a purpose, and that's the mission of God, so don't abuse your freedom in in Christ. I get this from the second part of verse 13 and then in verse 15. Second part of verse 13 says, "Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh." And then verse 15 says, "But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another." And so here he's saying, "Yes, you are free, Your freedom has a purpose. It's the mission of God. So don't abuse your freedom. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And the flesh carries this idea of a negative connotation. In other words, don't use your freedom to sin. Don't use your freedom to indulge or be a springboard into anything that your flesh desires that's not of the will of God. Don't, if you're a fish... Let the freedom try to make you walk because it only suffocates you. Don't let anything distract you. You're not free to roam around the playground and bully people and just go wherever your heart's desires. That's not freedom. He says you are free, but don't abuse your freedom. There's two extremes. There's two abuses of the law. One is legalism. The other one is license. Legalism, half of the church has a struggle with legalism. The other half of the church has a struggle with license, figuratively speaking. And so all of us tend one way or the other. Legalism is the idea of saying, I've got to keep the rules to be good enough with God. Paul has spent the last two chapters, about the last two months of our life, pounding on the fact, no, you don't. You're free from rule-keeping as a means of being made right with God. And for the last two months, half of the church has been going, Yeah, but you got to keep the rules. And I've been saying, free in Christ, free in Christ, free in Christ, grace, grace, grace. And half the church has been going, when's he going to get to the rules? Well, we're now to the rules. Where do the rules fit in? And it's probably the husband and the wife. One has been very happy. Now the other one's getting very happy. So, 
what is the other extreme of legalism. Legalism says I got to keep the rules to be made right with God. License says rules don't have any place in my life. I am free to do whatever I want to do. And both of those are wrong. Now, why did I not the last two months or whatever, how long it's been, why have I not been preaching grace, grace, but don't forget the rules, grace, grace, don't forget the rules. Why have I been preaching grace, grace, grace? Number one, because Paul's been preaching grace, grace, grace. But the reason is this. When you get grace and you truly understand it, that produces obedience. The problem is the church too often thinks, I've got to preach rules, 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 or they're going to abuse grace. And we've lost the gospel in that. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit of God will not allow you to enjoy abusing grace. And there is the protection I have in preaching grace, grace, grace. If you can take grace, freedom from rule-based righteousness, and you can walk out this door and happily break the rules and happily sin, then I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not in you. The Word says the Spirit of God transforms your heart and produces obedience to the will of God. You will not be able to happily abuse grace. You will not be able to happily sin if you get grace truly. The Spirit of God frees us from works-based righteousness But then it enables us, it gives us the motivation in the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to finally not abuse grace, but keep the will of God. And that's the natural transition to the next point. The first point is you've been freed for the mission of God, free for the purposes of God. The second point is, so don't abuse grace. In fact, let me just, before I go to the third point, let me read to you a very terrifying verse from 1 John 3, 8 through 9. says, the one who practices sin, this verse is going to tell us that we cannot gleefully abuse grace. He says, the one who practices sin, and the idea there is one who happily makes a lifestyle of sin, he is of the devil. For the devil has made a lifestyle of sin from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God makes a lifestyle of sin because God's seed abides in him. He cannot make a lifestyle of sin because he is born of God. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, if you get the gospel right, that Christ makes me righteous, not me keeping the rules... When you get that, the seed of God, the Spirit of God comes in and I cannot abuse it. I cannot have a lifestyle of sin. It just can't happen. And so when we preach rules, 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 obey, 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 we don't create anything but Pharisees. Instead, we preach Grace, grace, grace. And people get saved and we're baptizing them tonight. People in the last three or four months have been getting radically changed. Not by preaching rules, but by saying the grace of Christ saves you. Amen? Amen. I am so excited about it. 
And you can't happily abuse grace when the Spirit of God lives in you. Instead, the third point, use your freedom to fulfill your purpose. You've been freed for a purpose. Don't abuse your freedom. Use your freedom to fulfill your purpose. This comes in the last part of verse 13 and verse 14. But through love, serve one another. See the last part of it? But through love, serve one another. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. To understand this, let's just take a step back. What has God been doing in His mission from the beginning of time? All throughout the Bible, He has said, You are saved by faith. I don't care, Old Testament, New Testament. You're saved by faith in Jesus, whether He was the one to come or the one who came. You're saved by faith in Jesus. And then God says, Now I'm on a mission. I'm going to have a missional people. And those missional people are going to display my glory and take that gospel message to the ends of the earth. How? As they obey my will. As my missional people obey my will, they will bring my glory to the ends of the earth. Before Christ, those missional people were ethnic Israel. And they were formed through the Mosaic Covenant where God said, here's my will in great detail. But the summary statement of all of those details that you see in your Bible from Numbers to Deuteronomy, what was it? Love God, love people. That's the summary. All the laws. The first few commandments, first four, were love God. The second six were love people. All the rest of the laws were love God, love people. That's the summary of all the detailed will of God for Israel and the the Mosaic Covenant so that as they obeyed that, as they loved God, loved people, God's glory was on display, people got saved, and it was spread to the ends of the earth. Now what happened? Jesus came. And ethnic Israel as a whole said, no, he's not the Messiah. So God said, new people of God. New missional people of God. Not based on ethnic Israel. Not based on ethnicity. Not because your mama was a Christian, your daddy was a Christian. But but based on those who have put faith in Jesus. When you put faith in Jesus, you become the people of God who are on mission to take God's glory to the ends of the earth. And how do we do it? By obeying the will of God. What's the will of God? Love God. Love people. We open our Bibles. We obey the commands. Not legalistically to be made right with God. And we're not set free as licensed to sin. We are empowered by the Spirit of God. We are motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. To finally be free to do what Israel didn't do. We are finally free to obey the will of God. With joyful, happy hearts to the glory of God. So God's mission will be finished. That's why you are here today. Day and every day of your life. So when he says, do the will of God, don't abuse your, your freedom to sin, he says, and by the way, when you do that, you're fulfilling the law which I told you you're free from. Do you see the whole picture of God? Do you wake up in the morning understanding that's why he gave you breath today? That's why he gave you children if he's given you children was to fulfill that mission. 
That's why He's given you a job. That's why you exist. The mission of taking the glory of God to the ends of the earth is the purpose of our existence. It's the reason He saved us. We must redefine our lives. Our lives are not about fill in the blank. It's not about moralistic, well-behaved, socially adjusted children. It's more than that. It's worshipers, disciple makers, the next generation of taking this mission to the ends of the earth. Your job is not just make money, buy things, repeat. That's what got me out of it. I was going crazy. I was like, there has got to be more to life than make money, have a little fun, do a little kindness, repeat. You see, and there's something in our flesh every day, even as believers who know our mission, something is pulling on me every day that says, use your freedom for something better than serving God. You don't really want to give your life to the cause of God's mission, do you? You really think walking away from CPA, CFP to do this, is that really what you're supposed to do with your life? And there's a huge part of my sinful flesh that says, no, I don't think I should have to walk away from everything. And every day I have to crucify that flesh and say, I exist For the glory of God. And at the end of my life, I'm going to look back and say, what was the most strategic thing I could do with my life for the kingdom of God? And I think this is it. And you should be asking the same question. It's not just professional ministers. Every one of you should wake up every day and say, what is the most strategic way for me to live today to extend the kingdom mission of God? And it will change your life. And you will finally be free. When I'm studying the word of God and I finally get rid of the shackles of selfishness and I'm deep into the word of God or I'm up here letting God speak through me, I am in no freer place than this right here. And as soon as I step down, I'm going, Ham, keep me accountable, brother. Because the sinful flesh wants to say, No, serve yourself. Do something better. Make more money. Go buy something. And it sounds so stupid when I tell you, but it's so real when y'all aren't around. Do you feel that same thing? You have been set free, but it's not just to wander around aimlessly, buying shiny things, going after the next shiny thing. It's for a purpose. It's to take that good news to the ends of the earth, whether that means the mission trip that you sign up by December 1st, or whether it means going to New Orleans and passing out flyers, or if it means the way you raise your children, you break free of the busyness and you set a time to disciple your kids and you do it day in and day out as you go about, or in your job you realize that it takes more than just being religious, it takes doing your job in the name of Jesus. What is holding you back from the mission of God? Think about it. What is in your heart right now that's holding you back from just going for it all in? 
Christ has set you free from that. Maybe you're exactly where this text is. The bullseye of this text, the application of this text is you have been set free from anger, resentment, and hatred of that person who has sinned against you. That's what he says. He describes the the language of wild animals who bite and devour and consume whatever's thrown, the meat that's thrown in front of them. They just just go after it. He says, Christ has set you free from that in the church. Who has hurt you so deeply in the church family that you were saying, I can't forgive them. I can't love them. I can't serve them. The gospel of Jesus Christ, first of all, gives you the motivation. And he gives you the power. The power of the Spirit gives you what you need to do it. The motivation is this. I have been forgiven as I was sinning against Christ. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And so I must give the same forgiveness to others. Even when I know. You know, when I find it hardest to forgive, it's like, oh, it just feels good to be right and they don't deserve it. That's when I need the gospel the most. Gospel says, and you didn't deserve it either. So shut up and forgive them. That's how Christ talks to me when I get it. He's like, no, you shut up and you forgive them. And I've given you the power. And if you find you can't, there's scriptures that says you are forgiven as you forgive. You see that correlation again, the gospel? If you get grace, you live it out. If you've received forgiveness, you give forgiveness. If you have been loved unconditionally, undeservingly by Christ... You love unconditionally and undeserving people. That's what the gospel does. The gospel sets you free from hatred. It sets you free from resentment. It sets you free from unforgiveness. It sets you free from slavery to the shiny things that you think are going to make you happy. And it says, no, you're free from all that. You're free for a purpose. And that is... Go take my gospel to the ends of the earth. What do you need to be set free from today? Let's pray. Father God, if there's people here this morning, and I'm sure there are, who are biting and devouring and consuming one another because something has happened where there's injury, sin, anger, hurt. May everyone involved turn to the cross and see that While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And be motivated to extend 
undeserved forgiveness. And Lord, make this place the most loving place in the Shreveport-Bossier area. As we understand the love we have in Christ, make us loving people who serve one another, forgive one another, go outside and live out all of our freedoms to the glory of God. Lord, if there's people here today, and I'm sure there are, who have never truly experienced radical conversion in their heart through the free gift of Jesus' righteousness, I pray that they will right now say, Yes, Lord, I want to be set free from my own sin by the grace of God. Give them faith in Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the people we'll baptize tonight. For there's been many days that I've wondered, is anything going on? And the great privilege of hearing how you are saving people who've been in church for over 20 years. And you are setting people free from sin that has haunted them for over 40 years. And you are working in people's lives, bringing out a bright light of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful tonight that when we share the Lord's Supper together, that it is a fellowship of the saints who come together, sinners forgiven as a gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And if tonight we come to that table before tonight, if there's anything between us as brothers and sisters in Christ that is causing us not to be able to sit at the same table together and share that Lord's Supper, may we give forgiveness and receive forgiveness this afternoon before we come tonight. May we understand that the gospel sets us free from holding grudges. The gospel sets us free from trying to make them pay the penalty for their sin against us. The gospel sets us free to love and serve even those who sin against us. Because that's what you've done for us, Jesus. And may we get that. Lord, I truly believe you want to do something radical in this city through us. I truly believe that you want to take this body, a people, not a bunch of individuals, but a people who are on mission for you, a people who have been lit on fire with the gospel of grace, that it transforms all the way that we live our lives, every decision we make, wherever you send us, we are the light of the gospel in that place. Lord, please do that very powerfully through us. Lord, that is something we want to use our freedom for. And Lord, we know that's your will. And we believe in the word of God. You've told us to pray according to your will. And it will be done. And so, Lord, we as a people lift up our voices right now. And we say, Lord, magnify yourself through us. Reach the city of Shreveport, Bossier, and the surrounding areas through us. Use us as broken people, forgiven by the grace of God, proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, being different parents, different employers, different employees, being totally and radically different 
characterized as loving, serving people. Use that to your glory, God. Fill this place. Overrun our capacity. Bring people in. Let us deal with the problem of having to find ways to accommodate more people. Help us plant churches in dark places where that gospel needs to go, Lord. Do it for your own name's sake, Lord. That's why we exist as a church. That's why I've given my life to this pastorate. That's why these people have signed the church covenant. That's why these people are here this morning. We want to serve you. We want to bring glory to your name. We want our life to count. We want to live according to your mission. We want to get to the end of life and look at our lives and say, we live strategically for the glory of God. We lived on mission. God, I can't do it in my own strength and no one can, but by your Holy Spirit, Lord, be powerful in our midst. Remove the selfishness that chains us from our mission. Set us truly free to be the way that you've made us to be, to be on mission for God. Set us free. Free to love.